Welcome back into the Card Chronicle podcast. Mike Rutherford here with you coming from uh, Louisville, Kentucky on this Wednesday morning. Uh, Dan Sennard coming to you from Columbus, where I assume it's also very cold. Dan, how is the weather in Columbus? Oh, yeah. With the, uh, the snowfall made its appearance two days ago, and we're in kind of one of those modes where it's too cold for the snow to melt, and it's just kind of miserable outside, but... Nothing's going to dampen my mood today. Cards are rolling, and uh, Christmas is on the horizon. I mean, that's going to be the theme of today's pod. It's been a while since uh, since we did the podcast. I think the last time we did one, it was actually a week ago, and in the middle of it, we found out that Scott Satterfield was apparently leaving for South Carolina, and all hell broke lo- loose, and people were flipping out, and I-, I made a bad joke about wanting to talk about Evansville, and Kentucky fans took it the wrong way, and there's been... like, like This is what I love about the podcast, is... Whenever something like weird happens, people like all over the place will hit me up and be like, "You got to talk about this in the podcast." But when you take a week off, there's been so many of those times. Like I don't even really know where to start because there was obviously the Satterfield stuff happened, and there was more to it that happened when we finished recording. And then there was me like unintentionally trolling Kentucky, I guess, and Kentucky fans refusing to acknowledge that I wasn't talking about them. Um, there've been terrible announcers like I loved in the middle of the I think it was the it may have been the Seton Hall game where there's a just throwaway Danny Manning reference and I get like a billion tweets right away like you got to hear Dan I like I gotta hear Dan's thoughts about Danny Manning like the comment like how did Dan react to that all that stuff has happened over the past week but I guess we got to start with the most recent occurrence which is yesterday Louisville in a game full discrepancy I think both you and I thought they were going to lose last night. Is, is that safe to say? I know I did. That That's accurate. I, I, I know we texted about it. Um, I was not very con- – I, I mean, I, I like the team. I just wasn't confident in what we were running out against them yesterday. I, I didn't feel good about it. Yeah, same way. I mean, Western was coming off a, a really strong showing in the Bad Boy Mowers crossover classic where they uh, beat two NCAA tournament teams in Memphis and Northern Iowa and then played a really competitive game against a, a top 10 team in West Virginia. And look, we're banged up right now. I, if you'd have told me yesterday going into the game that Sam Williamson was going to be healthy, I think I would have probably taken the cards. But just the way they were playing, the way we'd looked in our first three games shorthanded, I kind of had the same mentality you did. I liked the team long term, but yesterday... I wasn't feeling optimistic about our chances. And I actually, I went back and looked at it. There have been two times in the last decade, like since we've been playing Western Kentucky consistently again, there have been two times where I thought we were going to lose. One was yesterday. Obviously, we won by 21 points. The other was the the, the 2010 game, the Preston Knoll season, where like, we were kind of playing okay, but Western was hot, and we were going to Diddle Arena playing them on their home turf for the first time in a long time. And I predicted on the website we were going to lose that game and Louisville promptly uh, I think tied a school record for made three-pointers and won by about 45 so if I ever think that Louisville's going to lose to Western Kentucky in anything go ahead and bet the house on the cards Um, but I mean yesterday such a complete performance from the team like I didn't see it coming I, I don't think you saw it coming I think even the most optimistic Cardinal fan who thought they would win the game and maybe win it kind of comfortably probably didn't see things playing out the way that they did. I mean, out of all the things to be excited about, 4-0 start, went over two pretty good teams in WKU and Seton Hall, freshmen overachieving, being better than we thought they were going to be. What are you most happy about right now? I mean, there literally is a laundry list of things I'm excited about this team, and it it, it really is hard to choose one. I I mean, if I had to pinpoint one, I would say – probably the long-term projection of our freshmen. I mean, obviously, uh, last year's class had a lot of hype, um, didn't play a whole lot. I mean, obviously, we saw David Johnson last year. And then this class, kind of quiet, um, kind of reminds me of the, the the Gorgie class where not a lot of hype coming in, and um, lo and behold, you, you put them on the court and they show out. So um, with, with Dre Davis – you know, being an absolute monster so far. J.J. Trainer, I mean, what an absolute pleasant surprise. He's playing with no fear. It, it, they, they've been so steady and good. Somehow, they've almost made Carlick Jones underrated. Like, we've been talking about the freshmen so much that you almost forget how good and how valuable Carlick Jones has been. And 
Obviously, we saw what David Johnson did yesterday. So, I mean, as much as I love what's going on, it's so hard not to look ahead and think about long term when everyone in this team is going to be healthy and what kind of damage they can do down the road. I mean, it's just, I guess Dre Davis was kind of a blind spot for all of us because you just didn't hear anything about him. Um, I mean, I think we all thought that both he and Trainer were going to be guys that played spot minutes and, you know, maybe made minimal impact this year, took on a larger role as a sophomore, and then maybe were really good college players as juniors and seniors. And I don't think that's our fault. That's kind of the way that they were laid out uh, to us by both the staff and, and recruiting experts. And Chris Mack, after yesterday's game, said, you know, if we're fully healthy, you probably don't see that much of J.J. Trainer. You probably don't see as much of Dre Davis. Certainly, Dre Davis isn't starting and, and looking like the third best player on the team, maybe. Uh, and and Jalen Withers maybe is not starting. I mean, that's the crazy thing about right now is the team looks like a I mean, they look like a legitimate top 25 team as is. They're probably down three starters. Like, I, I, I think that had he not gotten hurt, and there, there was, there would have been competition for that four spot, but I think obviously Malik was going to start. Sam did start when he was healthy. And I think Charles Menlin was the front runner to get that fourth starting or that fifth starting spot. You're down three uh, starters and your best guard reserve in Josh Nickelberry. And you're out here beating what I, I, I still feel comfortable calling them a good team. You're beating a good Western Kentucky team by 21 points. Um, it, it's it's remarkable. I, I'm with you on, like, I don't want to just gloss over the fact that Carleek Jones is as good as advertised. I mean, he is he, he's baby Fred Van Fleet. He sees the whole floor. He's our leading rebounder because he seems to know where the ball is going to bounce every time. Um, he, he's a capable outside shooter. He's so savvy with the ball. He's been every bit what we want him to be. David Johnson, he's been a little bit hit or miss, certainly had his best game of the season so far against Western. But I think what's made Louisville a legit top 25 team, despite all the injuries, is like Dre Davis and Jalen Withers being so good. And Withers had a, a decent amount of hype during the offseason. Davis did not. And I, a lot of people have been saying, you know, who, who, who does this guy remind you of? And I think the best comparison I've seen, he's kind of like a slightly – less broad but better outside shooting Shane Bahannon like he's got that high energy motor he's a great defensive player and the thing that surprises me the most about him outside of just having an outside shot that that looks good even when it doesn't go in is he really understands the game and they were giving credit on the broadcast last night to his coach at at uh, Indianapolis Lawrence Central apparently it's a little bit like uh, Trinity here we go again shout out to Mike Zabo theme of the podcast coming back but it's one of those <laughs> high school programs where they don't just run up and down they run a, a kind of a college offense. You have to learn the X's and O's, and that makes you more college ready. And that's the, the thing about Dre Davis is he's not just physically ready to play the game. He certainly looks like he's mentally capable of getting all these minutes as a freshman. And I think him being this good, this fast, is the biggest reason, outside of uh, the other guys being what we, we hope they would be, that's the biggest reason why we're 4-0 right now. Yeah, and... Uh... I mean, I'm stealing Chris Mack's words here, but the word he used is poise. And it's uncanny how much poise this kid has had through the first four games. Um, I mean, yesterday, the two – I mean, there was really three, in my mind, key possessions of the game. Um, the one was the loose ball where, where Jalen Weathers got on the floor, led to a fast break opportunity layup by uh, Dre Davis. And then the other two – it seemed like both times when Western was maybe about to make a little bit of a run uh, or make a little bit of a run, you had J.J. Trainer knocking down, just stepping into a three. I, yeah, it was wide open, but, I mean. Did we know he could do that, by the way? <laughs> I, there, was, there, was, there was talk that he had worked on that in the offseason. I think, like, on some video he had discussed work, you know, that he was working on it. But uh, that was a very pleasant surprise. And then the other one was uh, uh, Dre Davis just, um, you know, kind of reading the defense and being able to float out in the, the corner for a three-point shot. So, I mean, to, to have your freshmen step up and be able to, you know, kind of make those shots when it seems like the game might be turning, that, I mean, that is just so big for us going forward. And, and I'm with you, you know, he, he's an absolute pleasant surprise. But, I mean, the thing about him that, there was a move. God, was it was it Western or the game before where he shot faked in the corner and then just took his man down in the post 
and had like an up and under, which like it looked like a junior senior type up and under move that his footwork was absolutely flawless. I was like, how good is this kid? I mean, I he's been unbelievable. It, yeah, it's 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 it, unbelievable is the right word. I mean, the fact that he's this polished, I had no idea it was coming. And I saw um, when I tweeted something out about him last night, I saw fans of uh, from, from Indiana saying like. We can't believe he wasn't recruited harder by Purdue or Indiana or Butler. Don't act like you, you you didn't want the kid. And if you're wondering, if you're excited about him right now, here's some bonus good news. His little brother, uh, Deontay Davis, is probably going to commit to us later this week. Um, and if he's half as good as his brother, we're in for, uh, for a treat. That could be a, a fun thing in a couple of years to have the two Davis brothers uh, playing together for the cards. But like the JJ trainer splash three. And by the way, Aiden, the Gahan buried a jump shot. Yesterday. Aiden, Aiden has been solid as a rock. I he mean, I, I also an absolute pleasant surprise so far. So he's doing exactly what the team needs him to do. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm very happy with how he's playing. The makeup of this team is so bizarre right now because you've got eight healthy scholarship players. You're not, I, I still don't think Jalen Withers is a true center. I think that down the line, his natural position for Louisville is going to be at the four, but you're playing him right now at the five. You're not starting anybody taller than six foot eight, and your only three scholarship bench players are all true centers. I mean, with with Trainer Agahan and and our guy Gabe the Wiz. Um, by the way, I'm obsessed with Gabe Wisnitzer. I'm, I'm obsessed. With him. I saw. I, uh, I I apologize. I don't know who made the reference on Twitter that he he is a a clone of Mose from uh, The Office, and it. I mean, I can't stop getting out of my head now every time the way you run the court and kind of the, the, the facial look. But, I mean, man, this is a this is a Wisnitzer-approved podcast. He looks like the like, like the kid who hit puberty first in his class and made the A-team in sixth grade only because of that. Like, he, the way he moves, the way he does everything just looks like that kid who's oversized but not athletic, tries real hard, like wants to set screens – but it's just kind of horribly awkward out there and doesn't even really want to play basketball. I know that's not who he is, but that's what he looks like out there. And I'm I'm obsessed with him. He, he may wind up being a really good college player. I hope he does. Right now, it's just it's I, I you're right, Mo Schrute. It's it's just fun to watch him run around out there, and I want him to dunk so badly on somebody this year. But it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a Gabe Christmas around here. Uh, shout out to the Wiz. We love you. He, he's the new Mott Stockman, I think. Um, but going back to like, just the makeup of this team. Like they shouldn't be competitive. I'm not gonna. That, that's a stretch. They should be at a disadvantage against a team like Western Kentucky that has power conference talent that goes nine deep. They had nine guys that were playing uh, 18 minutes or more going into yesterday's game. That has three Kentucky Mister Basketballs. And the biggest difference to me, even if you knew nothing about basketball or nothing about the X's No side of things, I think you could have watched the Louisville Western Kentucky game and been like, I think one coach. Knows a whole exactly. more about yep. this sport than the other coach does. It was like Rick Stansberry didn't know that you could change things in the middle of a game. Like, we started running some different stuff. We came out with a different approach in the second half. And you look over at Rick Stansberry looking like fucking Stewart from Mad TV. And he's just like, what? Like, the, the guy is just, first of all, he's, he's, he's such a cheater. So I don't feel bad about just shitting all over him on this podcast. Everybody knows he cheats. He's been cheating forever. And he doesn't do anything with that talent because he doesn't know how to coach. So, like, Western loaded with talent. It was on full display last week. They they should run away with Conference USA. They should be a single-digit seat in the NCAA tournament. And I have no faith that it's going to happen because, like, there's probably going to be an inter-squad fight at some point in the middle of January because that's what Stansbury teams do. And, again, the difference between our guy and their guy has never been on more full display than it was last night. Yeah. I mean, having Bassey just float around the three-point line for half the game, I was like, please and thank you. We'll take this all day. It was unbelievable. And then, you know, they it seemed like he's – sat the bench, you know, the almost the the last part of the entire game. But I mean, Mac just ran absolute circles around Stansbury. And and the thing that stood out most about Western that I mean, this is why you can't really count on them long term, is I mean, God, they just waved the white flag so easily, like when it got into double digits late in the second half. I was like, are they really just giving up this easily? Oh, I mean they, they totally lay down. It, it was unbelievable. And like obviously we were having trouble kind of handling their press. 
Um, but like Western just kept making dumb play after dumb play. I was like, all right, well, I guess this is easier than I thought it was going to be. But I mean, we, we need to give, I mean, cause coaches in Louisville after a loss or, uh, you know, a rough stretch, they get shit on pretty hard. And I mean, Chris Mack deserves not a lot of, you know, a, a ton of credit, not just for how the season started, but I mean, I don't think – I mean, when people saw this recruiting class coming in, I, I don't know if, if, you know, people really understand what he's recruiting with, like over hanging over his head. And to get kids that are this talented to come to Louisville with, you know, and I hate to even bring it up, but the potential threat of, you know, maybe missing the tournament down the line, um, it's it's phenomenal. And we, we wanted to see what – his system was going to be like when he got his guys in there. And this is not a knock on Jordan or Ryan or, you know, Fresh Kimball or CV knock or, or whoever, but it is refreshing to kind of see, especially from the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, what he's able to do as far as switching um, and just as far as the style of play when he gets his guys in there. I think that's been key um, so far, and I'm totally excited to see, you know, how this system grows and develops. And I'm, now I'm even more excited to see the guys we bring in in the future. I like what he said after the game yesterday, too, because he was talking about, and it, it made me feel better because watching the first three games, like, I didn't think we ever played particularly well. Like, like I was pleased with, with what I saw because they found ways to win, especially against Seton Hall um, down the stretch. But it, it it didn't look to me like a team that was going to be like in the top tier of the ACC or competitive with Wisconsin or Kentucky unless it got a lot. And that's kind of what he said last night. He was like, we didn't play well against Seton Hall. We we didn't play well against Prairie View. Tonight we played well, and it made me feel like I wasn't crazy. But the Seton Hall game, if we can go back to that, because we didn't get a chance to talk about it on the pod. And, I mean, it was, what, four days, five days? It was three and a half weeks ago. Uh, so much has happened since the last time we talked. But look at the... To, to to go back to kind of what the the theme of the first 15 minutes of the spot has been, look at who made the plays down the stretch. You had obviously you had JJ Trainer making both free throws uh, for the game's last points. You had him making the the putback shot. Maybe he walked. It's okay. Whatever. We 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 got fucked on a couple of calls. I'm not upset about it. But the play to me that stood out was when Louisville was down one with just over a minute to go. They needed somebody to step up. Dre Davis had made a big bucket, uh, the big and one, uh, a few play a few minutes before. You're thinking it's got to be Carly Jones, it's got to be David Johnson. There's nobody else out there. Jalen Withers, man, eyes up a guy that he's got an advantage on, puts his head down, makes a straight line drive, makes a hell of a shot, and really didn't hesitate. Like like he looked like it wasn't like a one of those freshman moves where it's like. I was forced into this. I was backed in a corner. It was a fight or flight. It kind of was awkward, and it made it. It looked like he knew, like, this is my time. This is an advantage for me. I have no qualms about being the guy in this situation. And that, to me, like, I expected him to be a, a solid player this year just based on, on what we'd heard from the past year of him getting better and being a freak athlete. I didn't expect him to, to play like a – I mean, he's playing like a, a junior captain, and that, to me, is – is so awesome. The way you mentioned us guarding Bassey, the way that him and uh, and Aiden Nagehan and everybody who was on him just kind of worked their asses off the entire time that they were rooting him out of the post was so awesome to see. I mean, Jalen Withers, I, I think, has been a little bit overlooked because of how stellar Dre Davis has been and how good Carlick Jones has been. He is, I mean, that, that drive to me kind of encapsulated the, like, why Louisville fans are so excited about this first week. I, I texted you this, like, uh, I don't remember after which game, but, I mean, Jalen Withers, this kid has a chance. I mean, yeah. he is, you just can tell how raw he is, and some of the stuff that he does, it seems like it comes so naturally easy to him, and you, you just cannot wait. I mean, and he's already making plays, he's a solid contributor, and you can just tell that he's nowhere near his full potential, so... I mean, I, I'm so excited to see this kid develop here down the line. Um, but, yeah, I mean, going back to that Seton Hall game, and like you said, like last year, I guess when we needed a bucket, it was tough. I mean, Jordan wasn't a guy who created his own shot. You know, Ryan could hit threes, but same thing. He, he needed to get open. And a lot of the times, you know, if we needed a bucket at the end of the game, it was like a fresh Kimball or, 
someone, you know, maybe not as talented trying to create their own shot um, towards the end of the games. And, you know, four games in, it seems like we've had multiple guys step up um, when we needed to. And that's just an, a great sign so far. And, you know, I, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think we played great the first three games. We got pretty lucky there in the, the Seton Hall game with the missed free throw. By the way, yes, I don't think Quinn has played well the first three games. I'm not going to shit on him for that foul. That was totally not a foul. The guy jumped into him. I thought he did exactly what he was supposed to do. I think it was, I was a not, foul. I, 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 what, Juan, what did you – you said you didn't think it was a foul? Or you you d- so- I'm asking, you don't think it was a foul? I don't. I, th- I thought the guy jumped into him, and he played it exactly. I mean, should he have been that close? I, I don't know. I honestly I, – I don't fault him for the defense. I think the guy literally lunged into him. But – um, obviously he didn't get the call, but I'd say out of all the guys and he's probably the one guy, um, that, that maybe hasn't played as well as we'd like him to. Obviously you want him to knock down shots, but if he's not doing that, it, it looks like he's having a tough time keeping guys in front of him on, on the defensive end. And, he, and he's, you know, he's rebounding a little bit, but, um, there are times where he's missing blockouts and I, I think. Coach Mack has noticed that as well. I know the one game you put him on the bench for a while. So hopefully Quinn can start knocking down some shots here and regain some confidence in the next coming games. I think it, I, I think it was a foul. Um, I, I think I, I did love his video from the locker room afterward. I, I think it was Chris Halfdale who captured it and put it on Twitter where he just kind of has his hand up and he's like, that's on me. <laughs> that's on me. It, it, it was a good way to handle it. I mean, it was, it was a dicey call. It's one of those where, if that's us, if we're taking that three in that situation, then every Louisville fan thinks it's a foul. And because it was the other way around, we was kind of a little bit mixed. But I did love the the JJ trainer switching lanes right before the last free throw, being like, "Hey, like just little gamesmanship from the the, the young kid." And I saw Carly Jones. Uh, it looked like from the back angle that he was talking. Uh, shit the entire time that the rodent kid was taking the free throws and after the game he was like yeah i was talking to him a bunch so uh, i i love uh, i love how unified this team already seems to be and we did get some good news after the game i haven't seen it discussed uh, a whole lot today so far but sam williamson anytime you have a dislocated toe i think you kind of worry about the timeline i know i i think originally people were saying four to six weeks I know that they said day-to-day initially, and there was somebody on the staff who, who told me it's more like several weeks. But last night after the game, Chris Mack said he actually tried to give it a go before Western Kentucky. He went through the, the shoot-around. He was able to move pretty well, but he wasn't able to move laterally. But he might be good to go against UNCG. And to me, that says that even if he can't play on Friday, he's probably going to be available for the Wisconsin game. Just having him back for this stretch where we're playing Wisconsin – um, the two ACC games against Pitt and NC State and then Kentucky is huge because as encouraging as the performance against Western was, I, I think all of us uh, would agree for this team to you know beat UK, beat Wisconsin, start off well in the ACC play, we need a healthy Sam Williamson. I agree. And I mean, honestly, the first game, I didn't think he played all that well. And I think he still had was it 17 points like a somehow a quiet 17 points and he it seemed like right before he got hurt um he was really starting to assert himself uh which it was nice to see but I I totally agree I think if if we want to get to where we need to go we're, we're gonna need Sam Williamson um and not not to switch subjects here but speaking of Seton Hall they did play a game after we played them and I was curious if you watched that game of course I watched it yeah <laughs> I, I mean, what what is your thoughts on on watching Rick on the sidelines? Because I have some. Um, first of all, I did like that he he was asked about the attire this year. Um, I think it was a week ago, and he said, "No, I'm not going to wear my my fancy suits if there aren't people around to in in the, in the arenas to look at me." And I thought that was hilarious. But even with that being the case, he still went with the shirt and tie underneath the quarter zip. Which is, I mean, I haven't seen any coach wear a tie so far this season besides Rick Pitino, so it felt really, really on brand. And I, I did love that the whole college basketball world, including myself, for the first half was like, here we go, like the man can coach, they're beating <laughs> Seton Hall, and like, uh, you know, Seton Hall, like Kevin Willard shouldn't have scheduled this game, and then Seton Hall winds up covering pretty, pretty easily. They win by, uh, I think, what was it 25 or it was somewhere around 30. Um, and I own a, 
look, they were bad last year. I think they went 12 and 17 and, and, and Patino basically revamped that entire roster. So uh, I'm not reading too much into the Seton Hall win as far as Louisville is concerned and feeling better about that game. But it was like as much because I'm, I'm hoping that Rick has success at Iona. I'm not one of the fans that's rooting against him. I'm definitely rooting for him. But for our purposes, you don't want to see Seton Hall lose to Iona after you've just beaten them by one on, on a missed free throw in the last second. That was a good result for us. Uh, it's going to help our, our net ranking whenever that becomes sort of a thing. So, yeah, I watched the game, and, and Seton Hall looked like they should have in the second half. Yeah, and uh, as I was watching, and now granted, I have these thoughts in the first half because obviously watching it, you, you see that Iona is not very talented. Um, and then you see them just, you know, hanging with Seton Hall. You see Rick making quick hooks, um, you know, just like the old days. And I was like, God damn, I kind of miss this. And I was like trying to compare it to something. I was like, this is kind of like when, you know, you're, you're dating someone and you're like, you know, this person is like financially secured. You have like, you have like a, a great future, you know, there's really no drama. That's like the Chris Mack. And then <laughs> Petito is like the ex-girlfriend that's like, she's you've, you've broken up with her like two to three times. She like gets absolutely wasted at the bar. And you're like, what an absolute toxic, toxic relationship this is. Um, but then, <laughs> then you're like watching the game, like you're out at the bar. And then that, that's like a, you know, if you're with your friends, you're at the bar. But you're also watching the game and you're like, your friends are like, what are you doing? Why, why, why are you talking to her? You're like, sorry, man, we had some wild fucking times. And like, dude, no, you have this girl over here. Everything's perfect, blah, blah. And that's Chris Mack. Like, you have everything you need right here. It's time to just fucking move on from Rick. And that's, that's kind of the thoughts I had as, as I was watching that game. Yeah, she posts that one photo on Instagram and you're like, oh, fuck. Uh. Exactly. Yeah. Your friends are like, dude. Don't do this again, man. You are better than this. Like, remember how many times you guys fought and broke up and got back together? You're like, yeah, yeah. All right, let's go home. Uh, should we mention the fact that as we record this, the uh, the Wildcats of Kentucky currently have a losing record? I mean, we we know how, what's going to happen. They're gonna they're gonna get better. They're gonna improve. But I will say, I mean, they look pretty shaky. I, I, some of these freshmen that Obviously, it's the same old shit every year that UK fans or UK media hype up. I mean, they look uh, pretty raw, to say the least. But um, I'm, I'm definitely not going to count them out. But I, I'm, I'm definitely not crying over the fact that they're one and two. I mean, it's the same shit every year. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I it made really the tweet. Is. I made a tweet. Was it two or three years ago? The stages of following Kentucky as a Louisville fan, and we are. I mean, transitioning towards stage three at a record pace right now. We're going from the – obviously, stage one is they're really good, blah, blah, blah. Stage two is eh, they might not be as good as we thought they were. Stage three is like we're going to fucking beat these guys. Like they're, we're better than they are. There's no way. Stage four is we lose to them. Uh, stage five is how the fuck do we lose to them because they're still playing like shit. And then stage six is eh, they're pretty good. And stage seven is hopefully they lose in March. But right now, I mean – Stage two definitely was achieved when they lost to Richmond. Stage three, I'm not quite there yet. I'm, I, I, I'm not letting myself go there just because this happens every year, and I know it. I'm still in that mentality of don't let yourself think that you can win this game. You've seen this happen too many times. But if they play a close game with Josh Pastner and Georgia Tech on Sunday, I'm in stage three. It's over. I'm there. Like Georgia Tech has lost to Mercer and Georgia State. They're 0-2. If they play this Kentucky team close, they don't even have to win. If Kentucky wins a close game where they still look like shit on Sunday, I'm fully in stage three, and there's nothing I can do about it. I'm I'm free-falling. I can't have no control over what happens here. My mind is going to go right to we're going to beat these guys, and even though every piece of historical evidence says don't let yourself go there, I'll have no control. Yeah, I mean, Pastner, <laughs> Pastner sucks, so I'm, I'm totally right there with you. Um, I feel worse for Pastor if he wasn't wearing that fucking mask. I, like, I don't know what he's – it's like he's trying to get made fun of. He's like the kid in school who gets picked on and, you know, you, you feel bad and you tell guys not to bully him and, and come on. And then he comes to school wearing like a – I don't know, like, like a Power Rangers backpack. And you're like, 
you know, Josh, you, you, you make it a little bit easier on yourself, man. Like, just just give yourself a break. Like, Pastern just cannot help it, and I don't know what to do about him. But um, I, I do want to talk really briefly about the thing that I mentioned in passing, and this has made me feel – speaking of not feeling bad for people, this has made me enjoy the Kentucky 1 and 2 start that much. So when you and I recorded the podcast with Scott Satterfield stuff, and we get off the pod, we both hop on Twitter – you made a good Mean Girls tweet. I pre- I liked it. I enjoyed it. But Louisville, Louisville Twitter is just a blank. People are tweeting wild shit everywhere. It's the end of the world. Scott Satterfield's definitely gone, and that sucks. Or Scott Satterfield's definitely gone, and that's great. People are all over the place. So I do the um, the, the tweet. It's like a John Boyce tweet. He, whenever something crazy is happening in the sports world, he'll tweet out, like, does anybody want to talk about MLB trade rumors? Like, just in the middle of all the chaos. So that's what I'm doing. Louisville's playing its its game against Evansville in 24 hours, and I tweet out, would anybody like to talk about Evansville Purple Aces basketball? Just a total joke about how crazy Louisville fans are being with the Scott Satterfield stuff. Kentucky fans, not all of them, obviously, but a too many of them who are living in this bubble where nothing exists outside of the world of Kentucky sports, and everything that's talked about in some way relates to Kentucky basketball – they see this and, and just immediately think, I'm talking shit about Kentucky. Like, like this is just me making a very shitty joke about Kentucky basketball. And a lot of them, when I'm like, hey, we're playing Evansville tomorrow. That's the whole point of the joke. Uh, check our schedule before you talk shit. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. There were, were two guys. One of them, I, and I can't remember his name, who just refuses to believe that I'm not trolling Kentucky. He's like, I've been following you for too long, man. I know exactly what you're doing. I'm like... I don't know how to lay it out any clearer. This tweet had absolutely nothing to do with Kentucky. It's like George Bush trying to explain to people that he did not do 9-11 and them just being like, no, you definitely did. I'm giving you full credit for this. You're a mastermind. I'm not, I wasn't trying to troll Kentucky at all. And it went on and on and on. And you can't, this is how fixated these people are mentally on their basketball team. They can't believe that anything that could possibly relate to Kentucky basketball wasn't intended that way. And I just it, – it, it, it took up way too much of my Wednesday night, way too much of my Thanksgiving Eve. And at some point, you just got to throw your hands up and be like, these fucking people. Like, I, I don't know what to do about it. But now they're enjoying following a one-and-two basketball team. I mean, there are – I mean, it, it's incredible, like, the following that you've built, um, you know, over the years. And uh, there, there's times where I'm like, man, that would be awesome to have 55,000 Twitter followers or whatever you have. But – then there's times like that where I'm like, God, I can't believe how much bullshit you have to deal with just, like, having to respond to these people that just obviously don't have a fucking clue. That would get so old to me so quick. Um, I mean, we know how a majority of their fan base is. They're lunatics, especially when it comes to basketball. So, uh, yeah, I don't feel sorry for you in that regard. In fairness, I don't have to respond, and most of the time I just don't. I just move on. But with this one, I, I was more, I was more intrigued than anything else. Like, how do you, like, how do you convince yourself so completely that you're just not willing to believe? And I laid it all out. Like, it's a very plausible explanation. And the guy's like, nope, nope. You, you, you this is about Kentucky. I know, I know you. I'm like, oh, I don't know what to say, buddy. I, I don't know what. To do. But they're, they look bad right now. There's no question about it. Um, I mean, they ran more and stayed out of the building. They can't make a shot, uh, couldn't make a shot against Richmond. The, the Kansas game last night was, I mean, just just terrible. Really, both Champions Classic games were were really hard to watch, but uh, I'm sure they'll figure it out. I'm sure um, B.J. Boston and, and whoever else, Terrence Clark, all these guys that haven't made a three all year will make six against us, and it'll be the same old story. But until then, we can live in stage three bliss. Um, do you have any... Uh, we haven't even mentioned football. Like, like I don't hold on to the ball. <laughs> That's it. We're moving That's on. That's literally all I have to say. I mean, there really is no other analysis than hold on to the damn ball. I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's we're we're outgaining teams on you know a regular basis. You hold on to the ball, you're probably going to win the game. So that's really kind of where I'm at. It just sucks this season. I mean, I don't want to say it's been a complete waste because I'm, I'm sure some guys have developed, but it, it sure feels like that. 
I, I like watching them. I feel like a little league dad who's like throw strikes. Like nothing matters if you don't throw strike. We can't play this game unless you throw strikes. That's me watching Louisville. Just and they're not even forced fumbles. Like we got guys just like dropping the ball when they're. I don't. Need, it's just it's so frustrating to watch in this whole season. I mean, the Wake Forest game now is going to be a week earlier than it was if it gets played. If it doesn't, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm ready to close the book on it. I, I, I hate to be that way. I'm sure I'll watch the Wake Forest game. I'll, if they do get into a bowl game at three and eight or four and seven, I'd watch because it'd be hilarious. But I, I'm ready to, to close the book. And just I kinda, mean, our household, I have to watch Louisville games, and my wife watches all the Michigan games. It's been <laughs> goddamn miserable on Saturdays. I mean, it's just the worst. I'm like, good God, this season can't end fast enough. It's yeah, it, it's rough, and that's really all we have to say about football. Um, do you have any? Any kind of quick thoughts about – we're playing UNC Greensboro on Friday, which is was supposed to be one of the better mid-major teams in the country. They haven't played very well this year. They actually lost to Winthrop last night. Um, our guy Jeff Greer was on the call for the game for uh, ESPN+. Plus. And, I mean, it's pretty simple. They've got a really good player in Isaiah Miller. They're just not shooting the ball well at all. Um, and it's sort of that straightforward. But that's still, I think, kind of a dangerous game for Louisville on Friday. And then we get the big game against Wisconsin next week in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Um, any, any quick thoughts about that before we, we turn the page and answer some questions from Twitter? I, I liked what Chris said after the game. He, he doesn't like his guys to get you know too you know high. Um, it, it's kind of hard. I mean, if, if they log on any social media or, or hear anything, I mean, the whole city's singing their praises right now, so it's almost impossible not to have that go to your head. But they got to do their best just to ignore it and, um, you know, come out and play the same way they did against Western. If, if they do that, they should they should win handily. I, I thought that was easily our most complete effort of the season. One last thing before we we, we turn the page, um, David Johnson. I, I'd like speaking of liking things that Chris Mack said last night. I like that he said. He can't rely on his outside shot following, falling to get himself going. And I, I do think that he hit that, that first three, and that sort of got David Johnson going. I think Mac wants to see him do more stuff in the lane. I mean, that's clearly his strongest uh, his asset is being a six foot five guard who can post, to post up smaller guards, who's great at getting in the lane, great at finishing around the rim, should be great at drawing fouls. And we haven't seen him do enough of that so far this year. And maybe part of that is, is trying to figure out how he – he plays off of Carly Jones. Some of it may be – I've seen people say that he's trying to show off to the NBA that he can hit the outside shot. I don't think that it's as much that as it is teams have figured out how to defend him. They have the the on-ball defenders playing way off him, and they've got help coming right away to make sure that he can't get all the way into the lane. David's seeing that, and the easiest thing for him to do in that situation is just take the pull-up jumper. And, I mean, he's made, he made a few of them last night, but he's, still, he's never going to be – as good a jump shooter as he is off the bounce. And I, I think you're seeing back try to design some stuff for him. And last night was a step in the right direction. I, I agree. It, it's, I think this season is going to be tougher for Dave than, than probably most people. I mean, it's, it's an adjustment playing with someone who's going to have the ball in their hands as much as Carleek. And uh, so far when they're running the pick and rolls, and like you said, I know David had a great game last night. It it just seems like if if you tell me who I had more confidence in right now as far as decision-making and making the right play off the pick and roll, it would probably be Carly. Um, but we're going to need David Johnson, against, especially against someone like a Western Kentucky who has – um, more athletic, who has more athleticism. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it, it is nice to see him. I mean, to hit some of those outside shots, but Chris Mack is right. I mean, you know, we need him attacking the rim. It was nice to see him rebounding. Um, you know, with, with the guys we have out, we're, we're going to need his athleticism on the boards as well. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting going forward to see kind of how his season plays out. All right, before we answer some questions from Twitter, I want to remind you guys we are sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Go to homefieldapparel.com. If you missed their Black Friday sale that we talked about last week, you can still save some money for Christmas gifts by using the promo code CARDCHRONICLE at checkout. That's going to save you 20% off your first purchase. They've got vintage Louisville stuff. They've got hoodies. They've got T-shirts. 
They got tank tops. They got the the uh, old school Duncan Cardinal bird. They got the Cardinal bird wearing sunglasses. They've got every cool design you could think of. They're perfect for Christmas gifts. Again, 20%. If you want to save that at checkout, use the promo code Card Chronicle. Um, you can dig through the archives, find unique logos. They've got cool phrases. They've got a, a Saturday, uh, Saturday's T-shirt. They've also got other colleges too. If you want to just get something for you know the IU fan in your life or a fan of every college basically besides Kentucky, which makes them even cooler, go to homefieldapparel.com. Check out their wide array of stuff. Follow them on social media. Their homefield apparel with no e in apparel on Twitter. Um, their homefield apparel on Instagram. Again, homefieldapparel.com. We thank them so much for sponsoring us. Take, take care of the Cardinal fan in your life for Christmas by using that promo code Card Chronicle, all one word at checkout to save 20%. All right, Dan, are you ready for some Twitter questions? Let's go. All right. Uh, TJ Walker, the sports talker, says, uh, what's the worst intersection in Louisville? Oh, man. <laughs> um, that's a good question. God, I grew up, uh, like, kind of off Dorsey Lane there, and I hated the shellyville Hurstburn intersection. That light was so long. Um I know the Hurstburn Taylorsville intersection, uh, not great as well. I'm I'm gonna lean towards the uh, Shelbyville Hurstburn for me. Um, Breckenridge Dutchman's for me. It's it's just god awful. Takes forever. Nobody knows what they're doing. It, ridiculous. Barstown Taylorsville also very very bad. Um, yeah. Anywhere in Shelbyville kind of around the mall that's that's bad there are a lot of options Hurstburn just gets shit on on all of these two because they they're involved in every bad intersection or like 95 percent of the bad intersections in Louisville it's terrible yeah that's true even uh, yeah like Springhurst Hurstburn has turned into kind of a zoo um or, or not spring or kind of over by wherever the whatever that outlet mall is called anyways go on um Evan Hilbert uh back-to-back Kentucky fans weighing in here I'm sure they're not going to listen to the pod but he says who would complete more passes in an NFL game, Tom Brady playing left-handed or me? Um, let's take this as ourselves. First of all, cool story about Evan Hilbert, um, who I actually really, really enjoy. I was getting pizza from Barano's Pizza, um, the one by the by the airport, by Standard, and um, he uh, – not, not Standard, Bowman Field. Um, I was taking my pizza out, and I hear this, hey, are you Card Chronicle? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes – I'm not a fan. It was Evan Hilbert's brother who was, who was like, <laughs> I, I, he said to me was, I'm not a fan. And I was like, you know what? I appreciate that. God what a greeting. Him. That's great. Could you complete more passes in an NFL game than Tom Brady playing left-handed? Oh, yeah, 100%. Give me, like, some, I, I mean, nowadays you can, like, complete these, like, Patrick Mahomes, like, just shovel passes, like, a foot in front of you. I mean, give me some in front of the quarterback. I'll flip it to him. Um. Yeah. All day, I could complete more. Yeah, I'm thinking like shovel passes, screen passes. I don't know, but then that's probably what Tom would be doing left-handed too. Um, I would need to see Tom Brady throw left-handed before I could make a an educated call here. But yeah, the one thing that like, remember we played grade school. I don't know about you, but like whenever I when I played grade school football, my pads seemed like they were two thousand pounds. I remember like trying to throw a football for the first time. I was like, "Oh my god, I can't even throw this thing three yards." I'm getting like weighed down by my pads. Um, see, I played quarterback in grade school. No problem. Sick brag. Um, don't bring it up too much. But I did beat Brian Brom head to head. Shout out to uh, St. Bernard. Took him down. No problem. So, could I take Tom Brady down too? Probably. No question. Um. Allen says, is Devin Askew going to score 25 against Louisville, or is he going to score 35? He seems to be the guy that, like, he's that guy who's going to struggle for the first month of the season and then just light Louisville up. But watching them play the last two games, and I watched more of the Kansas game last night than I did the Richmond game over the weekend, I'm shocked at how bad he's been. Like, he's unplayable for them. And this is a guy that we, like, we wanted him to be our starting point guard this year. We probably wouldn't have Carly Jones if we'd gotten Devin Askew to, to sign here. And he has been awful for them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Cal starts to roll with the the Creighton kid more. Because um, I mean, like you said, not only does he look bad handling the ball, um, you know his his shot is you know not Ugh. going in like the rest of the team. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know we were we were in on this guy, and I was pretty pissed when we lost him, but. 
Um, I'm sure he'll improve, but so far, so, uh, yeah, not so good for us, not so much for UK. Uh, Chris says, given the power, what actor in which role on TV or in a movie would you replace with Josh Pastner? Um, oh, this is great. I mean, it might, we've, he, we do the Michael Scott, like Josh Pastner comparison. It has to be Michael Scott. It's too, but that's too close. Like he, he would be playing himself. Like that's, it's, a, that's it's almost true. a biographic role for, for Josh Pastner. This is one of those questions though, where like anything's going to make me laugh. Like basically Josh Pastner in any role, but I, I don't even know if this is my answer, but this is the first thing that came to my mind. I've got no idea why, but Pastner playing the Harrison in Air Force One, just, <laughs> Just to see him say, get off my plane, um, very seriously, that would make my whole life. So that's – because it's the first thing I thought of, that's my answer. What's the – what's the? I always forget. I get the names mixed up. What's the Gosling-Steve Carell movie where Gosling just does a complete makeover on Carell? Oh, it's uh, Crazy Stupid Love? Or yeah. I know – you know, I know – I feel like uh, – I know we just did Steve Carell for The Office, but he could easily play – Carell's role in that movie. Um, also, Pastor playing any black character, uh, like Omar from The Wire. G- give training me Day, yeah, Training Day, Denzel Washington. Like <laughs> <laughs> the picture is the picture of Josh Pastor with Andre 3000, the greatest thing that's ever been on Twitter. I mean, <laughs> just ran into at Dre 2000. He's teaching me all about AT aliens. Like, oh my god, like it's just. Pastor's uh, like, how you want a dog clothes casket? <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck um let's see here the sakaru king james b says is bad santa a christmas classic that's funny that that got brought up me and my brother were talking about the other day my brother i mean i think it's funny my brother thinks it's a really funny movie um i wouldn't call it a classic but i i, I mean the first like half of that movie is actually pretty funny it gets a little serious towards the end but um uh I wouldn't call it a Christmas classic. I'm with you. It's It has its moments. Definitely not a Christmas classic, at least to me. Um, let's see. A lot of people, I'll just kind of combine this into one, want to say, is Dre Davis having the best freshman season since who? Um, I, I think it's good. You forget, like, Deng Adele started as a freshman in his, his first year and played pretty well the first couple of games before he got hurt. But I think... Like Jerry Smith had a really strong freshman debut. Shane Bahan. What, what about Nate but, Johnson? Do you remember his freshman year? Nate Johnson has a like, like that's the pinnacle of fantastic freshman seasons that led to like really, really, really nothing. Like Juan Palacio is kind of in that same category too. He was a starter on that Final Four team and looked really good. And injuries, I think, played a big part with Juan. Um, but I. First of all, are we going overboard with the, with the Trey Davis stuff a little bit right now? I, 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 yeah, we are we're crowning this kid pretty early. Um, I, I think, uh, I mean, he's deserved every bit of it, but um, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll see in the next couple of days if, if uh, you know, or not next couple of days, but I'd say next couple of months to see if he's he's truly deserving of this. But um, yeah, I mean, he's definitely started about as good as you could. I think what's going to be cool is you're going to see teams start game planning a little bit more for both Dre Davis and Jalen Withers because right now the game plan if you're if you've been playing Louisville is hey slow down the backcourt like stop David Johnson stop Carly Jones you're probably good to go and teams aren't going to be able to do that anymore if Dre Davis keeps having these types of offensive games and if Jalen Withers uh, continues to develop his all around game. And that's going to create more space for Carly. It's going to create more opportunities for David. And I think that's a good thing going forward because those are still, as good as the, the, the newcomers have been, I think those are still your two best players. Um, yeah. What, by the way, I forgot to mention this. We were talking about the team earlier. One of the, the things that I've liked most of the first four games, um, the ability of this team be able to take a charge. I feel like that was missing from the last couple of teams. Like, Jordan couldn't take a charge for the life of him. I know no. Ryan could and Malik could, but it seems like we have four or five guys on this team that are excellent and just getting right in front of the driver and taking contact. So I think that's going to be big for us going forward. We've been really good at it. I, I will say, though, the officiating crew last night was calling everything a charge. Oh, 100%. Yep. It was terrible. I mean, if, if you 
if you were in the general vicinity of a guy driving to the basket and just fell down, they were calling it a charge last night. Which it seems it, like that's it, just the like, way college basketball is going, though. So I mean, it, you know, if that's the direction they're going to go, you might as well teach it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, take full advantage if you can. Um, Josh says, "What can I do to get Louisville to play in the Maui Invitational?" Um, I. I think that there's a solid chance that we're going to get in the Maui in the next few years. We weren't before. Like, like there was a little bit of bad blood between Maui and Louisville because we pulled out at the last second to play in the Battle for Atlantis a few years ago, and that was mainly because Rick Pitino hated the Maui Invitational. Um, schools on the East Coast a lot of times don't like it because it's a it's a bitch to travel. So I think you've seen in recent years more of the East Coast schools go to Atlantis because it's a much shorter trip and you don't have the jet lag coming back. And for us. The week after Thanksgiving, we always have that ACC Big Ten game. So you don't want to be like Michigan was last year when they were coming back from Atlantis and they were, I mean, they looked rough against us in that game. Um, so I, I think it's going to happen because Chris Mack seems to like the Maui Invitational. But for a while there, the Maui people were basically like, you're never going to play here again. And Patino was like, cool, I don't want to play there again. And I think there's still a little bit of of stuff out there. But would, if I had to would guess, you, I, go, go ahead, go ahead. I was just say, if I had to guess, I'd say in the next, five years you'll either see Louisville play there or be scheduled to play there would you rather Louisville play in like a fully stacked battle of Atlantis tournament or like a halfway stacked Maui Invitational uh I love Maui um I'd probably still go Atlantis like I'm more about the competition yeah, I don't know. It's been so long since Maui. I might actually choose Maui. I feel like was our last game there against Iowa and like Brad Giannini hit like two threes. Is that am I like? I know we lost. I want to say that was the last time we played there, like early two thousands. But I could be wrong. We always sucked in Maui. Like like we always. I feel like, and again, this could be just memory gap that's totally wrong. But I feel like every time we played in Maui. We lose our first game and then win the next two. Like that's, I feel like we were always in the consolation bracket whenever we made that, whenever we played in that tournament. So it would be kind of, I mean, Maui's still the king of the early season tournaments. It still gets more viewers. We got the championship game coming up today. I think Carolina, Texas will be a, a pretty fun game. Um, by the way, I know you and I have kind of talked about this before, but looking around the rest of the ACC, not a whole lot of scary teams out there. Duke looked, I, I kind of thought Duke might be underrated. Uh, going into the year, they looked pretty bad against Michigan State. Virginia obviously lost to San Francisco last week. Carolina has won both of its Maui games, but they haven't looked like, like really, really scary. Florida State hasn't played a game yet, but I mean, this could be like the, the ACC. I'm not saying it's Louisville's gonna should like win the conference or anything like that, but there's no team out there that you just I think are going to be really fearful of this season. I th- I think it's pretty. Like the bottom teams, I don't think there there's a ton of them. I think it's pretty steady at the top and the middle. Um, but I was looking at the Big Ten last night. I mean, the top of the Big Ten is loaded. It's unbelievable. Um, and like you said, the <laughs> ACC, I think it's it's a little more up for grabs. I, I think, uh, you know, we've definitely been one of the more pleasant surprises. So we might be on more people's radars to have a shot to win this conference. Who knows? Uh, Crumbs Revenge, our guy. Is it true that freshman Gorgie Zhang was ruled ineligible? I was excited about him this year. Do you remember that drama? The, it was like one of my first like real kind of controversial moments back in the day. Um, and it was also the, this was the moment that I, I realized that being in my position, there's no benefit to reporting bad news. Really reporting anything, but reporting bad news. Um, if, if people are listening to this and, and don't remember, you have no reason to. It was a decade ago, but like. So I found out via back channels that Louisville had been notified that Gorgie Zhang was ruled ineligible by the NCAA. And I, I did the, the, the old journalism thing. I was a, you know, son of a journalist, grandson of a journalist, went to, to journalism school, majored it in college. So I was still kind of trying to balance that, that blog journalism tightrope act. So I called multiple people. I got put in touch with the person who was Gorgie's legal guardian in Huntington, and they all confirmed the same thing. All said, He's been declared ineligible. We think the school is going to appeal, but we don't know where it goes from here. So I, I'm in law school at this time. I write a quick story, post it, don't think anything of it, go to class, 
I come out, I get in the car, I turn the radio. The first thing I hear, I don't even remember what show it was, but it was one of the sports radio shows. It's like, so there it is, Louisville coming out and flatly denying this internet report. And I was just like, I I remember this like it was yesterday. We were at, we were at a beer softball game. Yeah. You had told me that Lachlan McLean on the radio had reported this thing that you had wrote. I was like, Oh my God. And that was kind of like your first, I feel like big break. And that's where you, you know, started to get a little bit of notoriety. But yeah, I remember that. Well, all these people that have been like wanting to just, just shit on me, but hadn't had an opportunity to, I mean, the floodgates opened. It was, it was everybody like the, you know, the people using the, the word blog in quotation marks to talk about how it was false and all this shit. And I did love the Lachlan story because we were dry. I was driving to that softball game, listening to 840 and Locke is like defending me. He's, he's like, He's like, you know, I know Mike Rutherford. I've met him. He wouldn't just report this without having something. I had never talked to Lachlan McLean in my life. Like, like I, I, I love Locke, but I'm sitting there listening to him on the radio talking about how, like, we know each other. I'm like, we don't know each other at all. We have never spoken. Um, that was hilarious. And so then I had to post the follow-up that night and be like, I'm standing by this. Like, like I think this is true. And two weeks later at UofL Media Days, they come out and just, like, casually are like, Gorgie's been declared ineligible. We're, we're appealing right now. You know how many people apologized to me? None. Like, like nobody said, everyone reported the news. Nobody said that I'd said anything two weeks before. None of the people who were like, fuck this internet reporter kid. Like, he, knows, he doesn't know anything. Nobody said anything about it. And that was the moment that I realized, like, there is zero benefit to me ever reporting anything negative uh, moving forward. Like, I'll, I'll write about negative stuff. If the team loses, I'm not going to just, you know, pump sunshine and rainbows out there uh i'll say bad stuff but man like like my reporting days are 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 over from this point forward because i got zero credit i got all the 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 bad things about reporting bad stuff and none of the benefit of it um so that was a good time but side note on that beer softball game i think brian brom subbed in for us that game and he did he, he refused to play anything but catcher and he was awful he he was bad he uh he also this he was in the middle of like a three way quarterback battle in Buffalo for the starting job. He's like sliding into second base. I was like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? Like, we're up nineteen to two. It's not like we absolutely destroyed every team in that league and Brahm is like hustling headfirst like like Pete Rose slide into second base when he's battling for a starting quarterback spot in the NFL. I was like, What are you doing, man? Um All right. Um people are asking about we'll end on this one. Um Ethy Clark says, is this the most fun you've had watching basketball in November? It, it's a hard question to answer. Like, I can't remember my mentals. Like, I know I've had fun. I'll say this. It's always way more fun when it's a pleasant surprise. Like, people have talked about, well, this feels way more fun than last year. Like, why is that? It's because we were preseason top five last year. Like, we were supposed to be a national title contender. Anytime that that team wasn't dominant early on in the season, it was a disappointment. Like the expectations were diminished for this year's team, and then with the all the injuries, I think we all sort of said, you know, let's just kind of battle through. We don't know how this first month is going to go, and to you know, I think COVID plays a part too. Just the frustration of everything that's happened over the past several several months to watch this team come out and, and fight and, and scrap and claw and be four and zero. Yeah, it's been it's been at least as fun as any November I can remember. Yeah. And the listeners are probably getting tired of me saying this, but I mean, it's, it's got so many 2011 vibes. It's, it's ridiculous. Like the year before we lost, who was it? We lost Sosa, Samardo, Jerry. I mean, we lost a lot of pieces and we had a lot of unknowns coming into the season. Um, and then same thing. I mean, we lost some legitimate scores on, on last year's team, but, I mean, sometimes, and again, it's not a knock on these kids, but sometimes, you know, having new, fresh faces in here, um, maybe they're picking up the system a little bit better, you know, for whatever reason. I have no idea, but it, it just seems like things are, are running, I think, probably the way Chris Mack envisioned them um, versus maybe when he had some of Rick's guys in there. All right. Um I already, I'd let you know this beforehand. We're not doing Dan in the Dumps this week because I've got a Mike in the Mud story that I, yes. I purposefully have not told you this, that, that it happened over the weekend. I haven't even told any of our friends because I wanted to save it for the podcast. Um, so this is the, the Mike in the Mud story. I've got to get a, a little bit of backstory before I, I tell the actual uh, event here. So my wife, Mary Rutherford, 
love her. Like she, she, she loves a lot of things, very passionate about life. I think the thing that she loves in life more than anything besides our daughter and, and maybe me is the Christmas tree. Like she, she's, she's very humble in all walks of life, which is admirable. I wouldn't be if I were her, but she is, she's very humble, doesn't brag about herself besides this Christmas tree. Like she does, she thinks she does the best job. She is, she collects ornaments. Anytime we take a trip, the ornament is the, the big thing that we've got to get. She goes to ornament exchanges and she's got, when she does the Christmas tree, like I've got to leave the house. I've got to take the baby away. She's got it down to a science, but it's very precise. Like she, she loves this tree. So that leads us to last week. Thanksgiving night, um, we went to Springfield for Thanksgiving. We just had a small um, Thanksgiving dinner with with her family and her two sisters. And that night, because we we didn't have anybody to watch the dog, I came home with um, with her sister Kaylee's boyfriend. We drove home together. He had to work the next day. We had the game. I had to cover. Um, I had to watch the dog too. So I come home Thursday night. Mary stays in Springfield until Friday. So that Friday afternoon, I'm thinking, man, like I've, I've got this afternoon open. I'm going to get some work done. I'm going to get some stuff done around here. I'm going to watch the, the cards game at four. I've got the whole day mapped out. So I'm thinking I'm going to do something really nice for Mary. She has been complaining about our mattress downstairs. I mean, every night for the last three months. It hurts her back. It's uncomfortable. She sinks in, all this stuff. And we have a mattress on our upstairs bed in our guest room. That is a little bit newer. It's the mattress that I had before we got married. Um, I've, not, I've slept on it. It's comfortable. Yeah, it's a comfortable mattress. It's a good mattress. So we've been talking for a long time about how we need to switch those two mattresses up. And I've been saying, I can do it myself. Like I, I, I can definitely do this myself. I can bring the, the one from downstairs upstairs and vice versa. Look, I used to uh, have sleepovers as a kid where I would haul my twin bed downstairs and bring it back <laughs> up. It was no problem. I realized that both these beds are queen beds. But surely it can't be that much more difficult. Day afternoon last week, I'm thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna be the best husband alive. I'm gonna have a nice surprise for her when she comes home. I'm gonna switch these mattresses up, and she's gonna be blown away. And I'm gonna, you know, it, it's gonna be a great, great, nice little holiday gift for my wife. So I go upstairs, I bring the first mattress down, a little bit tougher than I thought it was gonna be. Not gonna lie, but I, I get it downstairs, and I'm thinking, here we go, we're we're good. The other mattress, the mattress we've been sleeping on, I mean, approximately 7,000 pounds heavier <laughs> than the first one. And right away, I'm realizing, like, this is probably something I shouldn't be doing. Like, I don't know how this is going to go. But once I've started doing something, I'm, I'm that type of person. Like, I've got to get it done. I've got, I've got to finish. I've got to do it. So I get the mattress over to the stairs. It, it's, a, it's a tough fit. I don't know how I'm going to do this. It, it, this is a, it's a problem. I decide I'm going to have to lift the edge of the mattress over the railing on the stairs, get it up there, and then I can drag it up. I do this successfully somehow. I start to drag the mattress up the stairs. I see the back end of it start to slip. I see it hit the Christmas tree. I see the tree start to fall over. In that moment, time stands still. (laughs) When When this tree hits the ground, I mean, it's... It's like an atomic bomb. Like th- there is glass flying everywhere. There is a table that that's knocked over. There is this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life. And if there was and I told Mary this afterwards, I would pay probably $500 for footage of me watching this unfold from the stairs because I think I sat there and stared at the carnage below me for 30 <laughs> seconds without moving or saying anything. And then I think I just said, "Oh no." It was one of those when you saw the broken glass everywhere. It was one of those where, like, like instantly, there's no way to save it. There's no way this is going to be good. There's no way to work around this. It's just a matter of how catastrophic this is. And the only thing I could think of was that a mere week earlier, we'd been walking the dog and the baby, walking around, and she told the story of um, somebody she knew who had this big fancy Christmas tree that had fallen over and all the ornaments had broken, and the way made it sound like it was worse than if both of her parents had died a slow, torturous death at the hands of her worst enemy. And that's all I could think of was, do I move? Do I do I run away? Is there a way for me to do it? I mean, it was as bad as you can imagine. So after like a minute, I picked myself up off the ground. I uh, sort of like assessed the damage, put the tree back up, realized that we've got multiple broken ornaments here. 
and I'm gonna have to make the phone call. I'm I'm gonna have to call Mary. What was it a FaceTime or was it just a phone call? Oh, it was, I'm not looking at her in this situation. There, there, there's no way I have the courage to stare her directly in the face and tell her this. It was just a phone call, and I did the like I did the smart thing. I tried to cushion the blow as as best I could by making it sound like the worst thing in the world had had happened. Like I prefaced my comments, I'm like, you can't be more mad at me than I'm already mad at myself. I'm like, there's nothing you can say that would make me feel worse than I already do. And she's like, I mean, did you like get drunk and have a party and like sleep with somebody at our house? Like, like, wh- like, what is this going to be? Did you kill our dog? Like, what, what, what's going on? And then I told her about the ornaments and. She wasn't happy. <laughs> I mean, in the last week, I've told, I, I've been told that it was a dumb decision probably fifteen thousand times. Like, like, and the worst part was, I didn't even get the mattress up. I couldn't even get it up up the stairs. So we're still sleeping on the same mattress downstairs. I mean, it was. Oh boy. Dan, it was bad. It, it was real, real uh, yeah, bad. The only remedy for this situation is if you pull a buddy the elf when he spends the night in the department store. And just totally, <laughs> absolutely decorate the absolute fuck out of that house for when Mary gets home, where, like, she walks in and, like, has the look on her face like the manager of the department store. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I absolutely love that Mary adores Christmas trees that much. But, yeah, way to ruin Christmas, man. Yeah, the thing is, like, if, even if I did that, if I did the, the Buddy the Elf job on the house, she'd look at it and think immediately that she could do a better job. Like, she, like, there, there's no, it's one of those deals, like, I can't, I, I can't do anything about it. And she's already like, don't even try to, like, replace the ornaments. I, I know you're probably thinking it, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just one of those. Yeah. It was bad, and you, you just gotta eat it. Like, I, I just, I've, I've been sitting around here for the past week and knowing full well that it's gonna get brought up every time I do anything stupid for the next, for eternity. It's just gonna keep, it's gonna hang over my head forever. A Christmas memory forever. I love it. The thing is, so like I had the whole day mapped out and ruined the entire day because I spent three hours cleaning up all this glass and, and trying to get the tree back up and all this stuff. And when it looked like Louisville was going to blow the game to Seton Hall, like like <laughs> I was I was just like, I need this. I, I need this more than you could think. It was like the day I got laid off from radio and we almost lost to Pitt. I was like, please, God, just just find a way to win. Like I, I can't. I can't deal with this right now, but remember, remember the movie walk the line with Johnny cash when like the dad's like just a tractor stuck in the mud. Like Mary gets home. She's like just a mattress stuck on the stairs. <laughs> that was the worst part. Too. She had to help me bring the old mattress back upstairs the next day. I was like, God damn it. I mean, just complete loss. Like there, there's no, no part of it was a win. I didn't get any brownie points for trying to be nice and trying to do a good thing. It was just a complete failure, and you're right. I've kind of ruined Christmas. And now, like, every time she looks at the tree, she's like – it's one of those where she always is going to think that it was better off the way it was before. Like, the, 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 it's it's bad, Dan. Never try to move mattresses on your own or, like, a, a single or a twin. You, you can't do it. Trust prayers, me. Prayers for the Rutherfords. All right. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do so. Uh, leave us a good review. If you write us a nice review, give us a five-star rating. We're going to read your review on the podcast. Even if you leave us a, a shitty or a stupid review, we're going to read it. Hell, that may even be better. So uh, leave those reviews. We've got uh, some more stuff coming up on the horizon. We're excited about Friday's game. We'll have another pod this week at some point. We will talk a little bit more football just to kind of sum up what's going on with this program uh, at some point between now and next week. But until we talk to you guys again, go Cards. Go Cards.